0: Hey guys, this is Tyler Padgett. I'm the lead pastor of the Courageous Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. And my hope is that this podcast encourages you, that it builds your faith, and that it pushes you to make a difference. You can join us in person on the weekends, Sundays at 9 30 and 11, at any one of our locations across the Ozarks. Check out our social media pages to find a campus near you. I believe you're listening today for a reason. Let's do this. Turn up the volume and let's go. This is our crossing over season as a church. We are extremely close to breaking ground on our East Campus. It's been a long journey. It's been a great, great uh, hope in our heart, and God has brought us very, very close to the moment when we pass over. I've been preaching us ready, and I think that all of us need to be ready on the inside for what God's gonna do on the outside. God prepares the inside of our heart before he does something on the outside of our life, always. And so you gotta get bigger on the inside before you get better on the outside, amen, somebody. And so uh, I wanna talk today about faith for the future. And whenever I start talking about our commitments and faithfulness as a church, when it comes to money, there's always people who pull back. Listen, if you wanna pull back, that's your business with God. I'm not upset with you. The Bible says that we should do nothing based upon compulsion. There's no compulsion. God has always moved with the movers, and he's always worked with the coalition of the willing. Somebody say amen. Always. And so here's what you need to know, and this is uh, John 2 and 5. This is from the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Mary said this in verse 5. It says, but his mother told the servants, just do whatever he tells you. And I would ask for our church that we would just do whatever he tells you to do. So I'm asking you to pray and ask God what he would have you to do in order for us to move the kingdom of God forward. The North Church prepared everything for the South Church, and on day one, it was ready to rock and roll. It was an amazing thing. And now, the North and South Church preparing everything for the East Church because we have everything to build the building. What we do not have is the furniture and the goldfish for the babies. I don't want people bringing their own toilet paper to church. You know what I'm saying? I want to be ready on day one. Say day one. Everything on day one ready to go. All the rooms staffed with all the things we need from day one. And so I'm bringing the church to a point of commitment. But it's very important that we just ask God, what would you have me to do? And whatever he says, we do it. Okay? Here's what the Bible also says. And I want to put this in your heart this morning. at 2 Corinthians 9, 6. It says, remember this, and this is not about farming, it's about giving, but he uses the uh, illustration of a farmer here. He says, "Uh, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart, and that's where we're at. we got to decide in our heart. we got to pray and have a conviction that God spoke this to me, and I'm going to honor God. Uh, the one who plants a few seeds will get a small crop. The one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Verse 7, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And do not give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide. This is where his promises start kicking in. It starts talking about us inquiring of him, us trusting in him, but then it talks on the back end of all that where his promises start overtaking you. And then God will generously provide all you need. Say all you need. I told them to play that song between services. I hope they did it. There's a song that we play. It says, bless me, bless me, bless me now indeed. Blah, 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 blah. He may a victory. And then they go into this, amazing vamp where they say, you got it, he's got everything you need. Anybody know the song you ever hear it when we're playing? You probably can't understand the song because of my vocals, but it's a, it's a great song And that I think that we just have to trust in God uh, to, to lead us and to provide for us. And God will generously provide all you need. And then you will always, say always, have everything you need. Well, that's great. But then God also, God also makes this promise, and plenty, say plenty, and plenty left over to share with others. And so we're trusting God for the big, and we're trusting God for the blessing, and we have faith for the future. And so everything today is going to be from Isaiah 54, and I want to bring you to Isaiah 54 and 1, and I want you to see the picture here of Israel as they are barren, messed up, broken, broken. Not great, difficult time, world is crazy, Isaiah 54 and 1. It starts out with this. Sing, O barren one who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor. Not having kids in that day for a woman was a very, 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 very difficult societal and personal weight to bear. For the children of the desolate one will be more. God's kicking in with promises here for somebody who doesn't have saying, you're going to have. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. And so God says, it's bad, it's barren, but I'm bringing my blessing. And then he says this. He's like, I want you to enlarge the place of your tent. And it campers in the house, north and south, and it campers campers you live like the homeless for recreational reasons come on yeah i got some of those like you set up your tent you get your first tent your tent's not big enough and so you go to walmart and you buy the tent that is the size of your house and you set that up like we're camping we've got our power generator and we're camping uh but he says enlarge the place of your tent get a bigger tent and stretch the curtains of your habitations. Let them be stretched out. It's like, get as much length out of that as you can. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you will spread abroad to the right and to the left. God's speaking blessing to people that are barren. And your offspring will possess the cities and will people, like that's a pretty strong word. Like you're going to, You're not just going to bring out a baby. You're going to bring forth a people, he says. A people in the desolate. You will people the, the desolate cities. This is about Israel in a time of barrenness and brokenness. And God says, you may feel alone and you may feel like you're not blessed, but I am the source of blessing. I am the one to be trusted. Everything around you is chaos. Everything around you is wickedness but you need to make plans to build bigger because I am the Lord, your God. Does anybody witness that with me today? Does anybody witness that with me today? That's the nature, character, and heart of a God who does not change. Now, we're new covenant people. This is written in the old covenant, but God is showing us here the nature and heart that is his, and he is the God who does not change. Locally, in light of this scripture, I've told our team this. I'm praying for it. Hear me now. Locally, I'm believing God for barren women to become pregnant in 2024. I'm believing that God who is a healer is going to cause some who have been struggling with infertility to bring forth children, and it's important that we approach this in faith. Don't approach it in desperation and fear. Approach the miracle that God wants to do in faith. Somebody say amen. Come on, church. Somebody say amen. Amen. So we need to have faith for the future. Like the seeds we sow today will become tomorrow's harvest. I've got faith for the future. I've got seed in the ground. I've got hope for tomorrow. I don't care how difficult, desolate, or dark the world is getting. I've got seed in the ground. I've got hope for tomorrow. The best time, a great preacher once said, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago or today. I said it, but it's, it's something that is true. The best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago or today, meaning that we can't fight the battles today with a time machine. If it's needed now, we've gotta do what is needed now, and that's why we're building now. It'd have been great if we'd have built 20 years ago, but we are building now. And the, the decisions as a church and as individuals that we make today, become tomorrow's destinations we set our trajectory by the faith-filled decisions we make today as a church and in your life if you're going to make decisions today i suggest you find your wife in the house of god and not at one and not at one of our many evening establishments i don't know i need to get a list of all the clubs so i can update my club knowledge in springfield I have old club knowledge. I don't have the new club knowledge. So if somebody would message the man of God and let me know these are the happening clubs in Springfield, I'd like to reference them in important times like this when I'm making illustrations. But I know people are getting shot out front of those clubs these days. That's what I do know. Don't find your future dropping it like it's hot in a club. Find your future spouse serving up something hot, hot coffee at the coffee bar, praise God. Amen. Come on, somebody. Y'all are going to make me work, but I'm up for it today. The steps we make today frame our future, and so we'll make those steps choosing God first. Amen, somebody. It's important that we remember that we are the church. The church is not a building. The building's just a tool. One of the best Pieces of advice I got when selecting contractors to do work is look at their tools. Look at how they maintain their tools. Look at how they care for their tools. It will show you the quality of their work. And I think it's important that we see buildings just as tools, but just like it shows the skill and attention to detail and the capability of a contractor by looking at his tools, I think buildings do that for churches as well so we work on those things to make them a place to receive people into the hope that is Jesus Christ. But look, folks, it's reasonable to be concerned about the world and the future. Like, we shouldn't be unaware or have our head in the sand. And uh, I think it's reasonable, and I think it's understandable to have concerns about the future of your family, and even be concerned for the world we're leaving to the next generation. Like, With all we see in the world, some of the great cities of America are becoming violent and unstable. We see attacks and wars and rumors of wars, like the Bible says, all over the world. We've got Iran and Israel uh, in a war, and America's somewhat involved in that. And then we've got Ukraine and Russia, and America's involved with that. And we have rumblings of Taiwan and China and America's involvement in that. It's just this, this, this drumbeat of the world that desires destruction. And the Bible tells us the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But God said, I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. So, the world is going to beat the drum of destruction. We see Iran and its proxies attacking U.S. vessels in the Middle East. And all this is happening while the head of our Department of Defense has been missing, sick, and nobody knew about it. The the, the World Economic Forum, which is the precursor to the agenda of the Antichrist spirit that we read about in Revelation, is meeting, was meeting last week in Davos to discuss disease X that could come, that they want to come. Um, Their Antichrist strategy is, is to enslave the whole world. The haters of humanity seek to depopulate everything through abortion and poisoning the population. Our government is morally bankrupt and our national borders are in chaos. And the same spirit and thinking that secular globalists have and desire that results in broken borders will also result one day in you having no land ownership rights either. And by the way, the whole, the whole term secular globalist, like I think that there's an agenda in the air to paint the most dangerous among us as Christian nationalists. So the opposite of, of secular is national, and the opposite of global. I'm sorry, the, the opposite of globalist is national, and the opposite of secular is religious. Like I am a I am a Christian or religious nationalist. I am not a secular globalist, and it's not like like we have been clearly told. That in Revelation, the Antichrist spirit will seek to create single governance of the whole world. There's a spirit behind it. It's not an ideology, it's a spirit. And so we must be aware. Jesus is coming. Let's win people while it's yet day. Okay? This week in the New York Times, a piece was entitled. It was a, They started as an opinion piece, and that's how they start their apology tour. The title was, When Public Health Loses the Public. And they have begun to slowly publish the idea that the pandemic was handled wrongly and it was essentially politicized, damaging our society and children that were at risk. And powerfully connected sex traffickers still are going unpunished. No one understands the Maui fires. China is cooking up another virus. Global digital currency and microchips in your body is a big part of the agenda of the World Economic Forum and others. All of this chaos is to create the prevailing spirit of Antichrist on the earth. And beyond that, the Barner Group just released a study that only 37% of pastors in the United States of America have a biblical worldview. The world can look desolate. The world can look unfruitful. And there seems to be an attitude of doom in 2024. I've heard people talking about the end of our democracy. I've heard people talking about the end of our nation. And it just seems that fear is the climate of the day. Somebody say something. And God, in a season just like that, in Isaiah 54, looked at a barren, broken Separated, hurting, and wounded nation and people, and gave them one big command. Are you following me yet? One big command. And that command was sing. Sing! I feel stupid. The world's going to hell. Our God isn't awesome. God he reigns. Hey, hey, from heaven, that feels better. From heaven above with with are some power and God. the world's going to hell. Our God isn't awesome. God he reigns. Hey, from heaven above. With, with. The word of the Lord to people in darkness was sing. <sighs> he said, Sing for your future sing for the hope that is in redemption sing a song of victory sing a song of overcoming of overcoming sing a song of joy and sing a song that reaches over the gloom and all the darkness He was saying, don't sing for the circumstances you're in. Sing for the future that God has spoken. And he said, sing and then make room for bigger and make room for more. Stretch out the tent, drive down the stakes, make room for more. Sing. Somebody say sing. We're a singing people. We're the Christians. We've got a lot to be thankful for. We've got a lot of praise in our heart. And so no matter how dark it gets and no matter how difficult things become, I've got a song that just won't die inside of me because of Jesus. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord today. And so let me read that to you again in the light of all that. Isaiah 54, it says, Sing. Sing. O oh, barren one, yes, you, you're suffering. You in shame, you in heartbreak, sing. O oh, barren one who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud for you who have not been in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than children of her who is married, says the Lord. It may look dark, but I've got a plan. Do You hear that? It may look dark, but I've got a plan. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let the curtains of your habitation be stretched out. Don't hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes for you will spread abroad to the right and to the left and your offspring will possess the nations and you will people the desolate cities. I have just come, can I say I've come to tell you today? I like to say that, can I say it? I've come to tell you today, do not let the darkness of the world steal your song, steal your joy or steal your praise. And so we need to sing We need to be hopeful and faithful in the middle of adverse (laughs) spiritual climate, political climate, governmental climate, whatever the climate may be. We need to sing and be hopeful and trust in God because he has written our end from our beginning. He does not want us to quit when things get dark. He wants us to get ready for increase. He wants us to get ready for more. He wants us to get ready for harvest. He wants us to get ready for the light of God to shine brighter than it's ever shined. Can somebody throw back your head and say yes? This is the heart of the gospel that God does good and great things in dark places and in difficult times. If it wasn't for the Lord who was on my side, where would I be or where would any of us be? And it doesn't happen when you want it, but God right on time shows up to be the help. We need to sing for the future. That, that nation of Israel in scripture was the abandoned and unfruitful wife. Life was so hard for her. But God told that nation, you don't have a husband, but you still have a future. You don't have what you want, but I've got it under control. It may look dark, difficult, and it may seem like there's lots against you, but I have a plan. And God was pointing them to faith for the future. And it wasn't by what their eyes saw. It wasn't what they read in the news. It wasn't any of that. It was simply... It was just God asking them, receive the power of my word and stop looking at circumstances. And that's the battle for all believers, to believe in the word of God and not circumstances. And so the world is a dumpster fire. I think I'll just sing. The world looks dark, but God is a God of blessing. The world smells like hot garbage juice. But attendance at Courageous from 2022 to 2023 was up 32%. Northside, I know y'all just tore the chandeliers off the ceiling. These Southsiders here gave me some kind of Augusta golf clap. And I want to thank you for your your rabid participation in the body of Christ and the growth of God's house. I'm going to try it one more time. Maybe they'll do a little better. But if not, you know, I know I can count on you. So don't break anything and don't tear anything up. But I want you to know the world smells like rotten cauliflower. The world smells like backed up sewer. The world is a dumpster fire. But God has blessed this church, his church, and it's up 32% year to year. The world Smells like a truck stop bathroom, but our groups are up 12%. The world carries the stench of roadkill in summer, but we have 17% more group leaders than we had the year before. The world is in a mess but we're out of room proportionally with our kids, but we still somehow grew 11% with our children's ministry. Our group attendance was up 5%. Our giving was up 13% in a downturn. People that graduated from the courageous life entering into the ministry and into leadership was up 36% year over year. And even though there is a great, great falling away and difficulty everywhere in relationship to our nation, we baptized 85% more people in 23 than we did in 22. Let the church say yes! I've come to tell somebody we are on time. We are on purpose. We have the message of truth and the love of Jesus for our city. And so I think I'm just going to sing. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above. Don't sing with me. You can't do this. I am highly trained and I'm going places you can't go vocally. He said, sing. Sing. So that desolation would turn into inhabited cities. Every nonprofit I know is down in 23, except this one. We're the church. We're the church. We're the church of the living God. This passage is about Israel, but it's it's about the nature and heart and character of a God who doesn't change. It was written under the old covenant. We're new covenant people. Know something that that prophecy said, sing, because what is small and overwhelmed now will have more children than the married woman will ever have. And that married woman there was about natural blessing. But God says, I'm going to break you forward into supernatural blessing. And God has always done this. God took 120 people that were gathered in the upper room that began to seek the promise of the Father, that began to pray and to ask the Lord to send the comforter, which he talked about. The Holy Ghost came, 120 people were filled with the Spirit and it began to spread wildly. And now in every nation of the earth and every city in the world, there are people who call upon the name of Christ for salvation. We believe God. And we trust in him. And by faith, we believe more people will go to church in Springfield than don't. By faith, we believe that that more kids at our schools will be believers in Jesus than aren't. We believe that more children will be raised in godly homes than are not. We believe that the church will have more influence than government and corporations. We believe that the future of the church is blessed. And the world might seem like Goliath, but we serve the God of David. And the world may seem like a lion's den, but we worship the God of Daniel. And the world might seem like it's a fiery furnace, but we know the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is God's church. This is God's family. This is God's house. And we should not bet against what God said. He's going to bless. The church is not an earthly entity. The church is a spiritual reality. It's important to remember that the building is just a tool that houses the church, and we are the church. Buildings are just tools. And so we're in our crossing over season, and we're going to begin to build the church collectively for the future. Last week, the weather was terrible. Our attendance was down by 30%. I preached a message that's so important to me. I want everybody that, 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 that comes to this church, this is my church, you're my pastor. I just want you to take some time and listen to it on Spotify, YouTube, Apple, our website, the app, whatever. There's a million ways you can listen to it. I just ask you to listen to it or watch it. Listen, all hell's busting loose. This is an election season and people are gonna lose their minds, but we're gonna build the church and we're gonna reach the lost. And we're going to stretch out our tent and we're going to pull the curtains tight and we're going to do what we need to do so that what God has to work with is bigger and better and more hopeful than it was when we got a hold of it. In the same chapter, Isaiah goes on to say in verse 17, he said, no weapon that's fashioned against you shall succeed and you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication from me declares the Lord. Clap your hands for that. So no weapon formed against the church will hinder the future of the church. No adversarial government, no adversarial culture, no adversarial corporation, no false religion, no weapon formed against God's great church will prosper, and praise God, you're in the church. I've been singing, walking through the parking lot this morning, coming to church. Just got a song in my heart. It's an old one that uh, it, it uh, uh, Eddie James did it, and I was listening to Brother Eddie this morning. And uh, its it song says, I am Jehovah, the Almighty God. I am the one for whom nothing is too hard. I am the shepherd and I am the door. I am the one who brings good news to the poor. I am... Just singing, just worshiping God. There's some people that need to start singing in the shower again. There are some people that need to start singing in the car again. There are some people who need to start singing in church again. Just lift up your voice. It looks like a dumpster fire, but baby, I'm going to sing. I was singing this one. I was singing this one in the face of all the tension. It's an oldie, but a goodie. It says, "My God is more than enough. He can supply all." Don't clap, y'all. You can join me. He's trained. He's a professional. My God is more than enough. He can supply all my needs. He is my El Shaddai. He always looks out for me. Jehovah Jireh, ba 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 ba. He is my God. That's me. That's me singing. And as I was singing that, that El Shaddai hit me. El Shaddai, oh Lord, what is that? What do you want me to do? And I kind of know what it meant, but I went deeper into it. Thinking about a God who provides, thinking about a God who's a God who's more than enough, thinking about a God who can bring blessing out of barrenness, okay? That word El, El Shaddai, it's spoken of in Genesis 18. God told Moses, you're my El Shaddai. But it says El, that name speaks to the the many and various aspects of God's character. And Shaddai comes from the Hebrew word Shad, which means breast, which means he's completely nourishing, completely satisfying, completely supplies his people with all their needs like a mother would their child. Okay? And connected to that word El... It means, dog on the screen, please, God, the many-breasted one. God is showing us a picture of his supply that doesn't run out. And when you think you've got all that's coming to you, God's got one more answer and one more source of hope, and one more source of help. Listen, the God who is El Shaddai can be trusted. You'll never max out his ability, and you'll never overcome his provision. He is my El Shaddai. God. Look it up. I don't lie about this stuff. We need to trust in the God God who is good and we're gonna build the church. And like I said, through God's grace, through many years of planning, through good budgeting and saying no to a lot of extras, by the grace of God, we've got the church in a position where we can build this building. I need three things from you. I need you to ask God, first off, what he would have you to do. So actually I need four. I need you to ask God what he would have you to do. And then I need some people to pray this project through. I need prayer warriors in the house to put upon their backs in the spirit, this project and pray it through in the spirit first. So I need you to pray passionately. It's on the front of the card. If you're a believer and this is your church and you've not tithed yet, God is calling all of us to a higher level of obedience. You can make all the justifications you want to about it, but know that the concept of tithing existed the time of Abraham and the time of Moses. Christ affirmed it in the New Testament. It's talked about all throughout. It is what God has used. If you don't want to tithe, fine. You can do what the Bible says, which freely you have received, freely give. So it just calls us to great generosity. The tithe is a principle that we can say stretches across the entirety of biblical context. Now, I'm asking you to tithe faithfully. It's hard to start, easy to continue. I would ask you to do that step first rather than make a commitment. Now, if you're a tither and you're convinced of it because you've been blessed and that's what happens when you tithe, God blesses you, it's crazy. But God just shows up. I would ask you for this sacrificial season to make a over and above gift. And and here's the thing: a lot of people, you know, only 27% of Americans have a plan for giving to their church. And what happens is a lot of people want to do intervention giving, which is, oh, there's a big need, I'll give and help it. And it makes us feel good, but that doesn't move the church. What moves the church is preventative giving. I give consistently when there's not a fire to put out, and it makes the church begin to grow. Do you hear what I'm saying? I hope I'm speaking to your heart today. I need you to hear me. We don't do intervention giving or intervention planning. We do preventative giving and preventative planning. And so, part of what needs to happen in this season is that those of us who are committed to give, this is our church, we would make a one year commitment on the back here that will help purchase all of the furniture, fixtures, and equipment that is needed for the East Campus. On day one, when we came to the South Campus, the North Campus had provided everything that was needed and it was all done on day one at our South Campus. This next one, the North Campus, it's not just you, it's all of us, the North Campus and the South Campus joined together to provide everything that's needed for the East Campus. And God has never built his church on amazing, you know, one-time huge gifts. The biggest gift we ever received was the land that we're building on here. God has always built this church on faithful people, sacrificing to the measure that they have to give, and God has done the miracle and multiplied it. He'll continue to do that. And so I'm not asking for equal gifts, I'm asking for us to equally sacrifice and not just give when there's a crisis, but to give to build and to prevent crisis so only 27% of Christians have that kind of a plan. And that's who kind of carries the church financially, about 27% of the people. I'm asking for us in this season to live at a higher level of obedience. And the first thing you're telling yourself is I can't. And that needs to be dismissed as the voice of doubt and the enemy. Because once you say, I'm going to trust God, the Bible has many, many scriptures that say heaven will open. I'll give you the gift of timing. I'll give you the gift of provision and help. We have to trust God, not just for our salvation, but to trust God with our money. Hey, thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can like and subscribe. You can even share this on your social media. If you do, tag us at The Courageous Church and share what God is doing in your life. Always remember, God's calling you to be strong and very courageous in all that you do. I hope to see you soon. God bless.